The boys are off tonight. Jesse Rogers sitting in until 745. And then it's Northwestern basketball right here on ESPN 1000. They take on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Maybe you're just uh, getting your car late after a long day of work. D'Amico Ryans is now the head coach of the Texans, former player. And Sean Payton hired by the Denver Broncos to fix what ails them. The Broncos give up a first and second round pick to New Orleans this year. Of course, those are you know late late round picks. Denver, I think, had the 29th pick via San Francisco. Denver was bad this year. They had a high pick, but that was given up to the Seattle Seahawks for Russell Wilson. So uh, they had a bad year and don't get a high pick. And then they trade their low pick in the first round, 29th pick, for Sean Payton. I think it's kind of insane. What do you think? 312-332-3776 is the number. Am I the only one that thinks everyone, what is it? Everywhere, everyone, everyone. What is it called again? The heck? Everything, everywhere, all, everyone, at all at once. Yeah. When you hate a movie, you don't remember the title, right? When you love, If I loved it, I'd remember it. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Am I the only one that uh, thought it was bad? Not just not Oscar-worthy. I thought it was bad. I rarely, rarely shut off a movie or walk out of a theater. I'm just, I don't know why. Just see, see, read a book to the end, right? Um, I think I shut this one off. I, don't, I didn't go to the theater to see it. I think I shut this one off, and I rarely do that. But I watched it a while ago. Um, and I only bring it up because I saw The Whale last night, and that was, you know, that's that's a hell of a performance by Brendan Fraser and a heck of a movie, especially if you're a parent, even if you're not a parent, whatever. Um, so uh, I'm just curious if other people thought, and I'm not against sci-fi movies. I can live with them if they're good. Cause it was, you know, I had this sci-fi theme obviously, but I didn't get it. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's me. What I did get was Dexter Fowler back in 2016. I covered the Cubs for this radio station during their heyday. And boy, uh, he was a lot of fun to be around. Great character in the clubhouse. Uh, and I, as I mentioned to Waddle and Sylvie, I, I think Joe Madden, one of his, one of his great um, managerial, you know, moments during that run was, was what he got out of Dexter Fowler. Don't forget that that's really what a manager's job is, right? Coach's job to bring out the best in his players. And it, it's pretty, you talk to anybody in baseball that fouled, these players and, and, and this team and, and Dexter, he was never better before or after as he was with the Chicago Cubs. And I think Joe Madden had a lot to do with it really made Dexter feel important because Dexter did have a kind of like, I'm going to glide to get this ball attitude about him. But I think it was more about his, his look than his actual production. I think he made things look easy at times, whether it be the batter's box or in the outfield. And they adjusted where they positioned him in 15 and 16 and really got the most out of him, both offensively and defensively. It's my contention. He was the second most important position player behind Chris Bryant. You can't, if I tried to make the case, he was more important than Chris Bryant. You, you would shout me off the radio. There's Chris Bryant won the MVP, but a guy with a 393 on base percentage leading off, um, seeing as many pitches as he did. I, I didn't realize he only played in 125 games, played in 156 in 2015, but he had some, he had some injuries in, in 16, nothing, nothing too serious. I mean, he still played in 125 at a 551 plate appearances, but I'll tell you what, in terms of war, he was third on the team position players behind Bryant, behind Rizzo. And that's really where the argument would be. Could you say he was more valuable than Anthony Rizzo? And I, and I think he could. 
and, and, and maybe it's more in hindsight than in the moment, because I was kind of one of these guys that thought after he left, okay, you're not going to duplicate him, but look, just put good players at the top of the lineup and, and you'll be all right. But that didn't work out. And there was a mindset in talking to Schwarber and talking to other guys that led off of the Cubs post-Dexter Fowler. It wasn't easy. And there's all these little things to it. Even as small as um, when you're in the field at home and, in the first inning and then you come off the field, you're running from center field or wherever, left field if it's Schwarber, and you have to bat right away. You, you, you're, you're like, you have no moment to catch your breath. Like, you wouldn't think about that unless you talk to these, these guys that have done it. And that was a big thing. At home, you just didn't have a moment to think. You'd run in off the field and you had to hit. And it, it's easier said than done. Now on the road, maybe a little different. You had time when you got up. But even then, you're, you're the guinea pig. You, you have no chance to see the pitcher at all. And I think Dexter and the great lead-up men thrive in those situations, and they understand the idea of seeing pitches while also producing. So it, it, it's as much in hindsight and in, in seeing what the Cubs did in that leadoff position or didn't do in that leadoff position after Dexter Fowler left that, that it, it kind of brings, brings me to the, to the idea that I think he was the second most valuable position player. Maybe that's not even a hot take. But look, left-handed power doesn't grow on trees, and with Schwarber out, Rizzo was hugely valuable. Dexter being a switch hitter with a 393 on base percentage had a little pop, you know, 17 home runs in, in 2015, but he had over a hundred more plate appearances, hit 13 home runs in 16, 13's just enough to keep the pitcher honest, right? 13's just enough. And he hit 17 the year before. So pitchers knew that he had that ability. It wasn't like they could pitch around him. At 84 walks in 15, 79 and 16, but played in less games. And that's why you see his on-base percentage go from 346 in 15 to 393 in 2016. That's pretty good for a guy with only 13 home runs. I mean, a lot of times that kind of on-base percentage is reserved for the sluggers because pitchers are scared of him. But he was dang, just dangerous enough that you, had a, you, you couldn't completely – just throw it down the middle on him, right? But he able was able to walk enough works, uh, 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 work enough walks that he was both a danger in power and danger to get on base, and that's why he ended up with an 840 OPS in 2016. You agree? Was he the second most valuable position player? As you think back to those two years, how much fun was he to watch? How much fun was he to watch? He made his only all-star team in 2016. I mean, I just think that if you watched him before or after, you'd see a different player. The Cubs got the absolute best out of Dexter Fowler, and I credit Joe Madden and that organization for doing for doing that. 312-332-3776 for bringing out the best in Dexter Fowler. Now let's talk a little Cubs and Sox as well. As I mentioned, I'll be going out to spring training in a couple weeks. Pitchers and catchers report around the 15th. Vegas hasn't set an over-under. Why don't you do it for me for the Cubs and Sox? I said before the top of the hour that I thought it was going to be a very interesting season. One, 
it's kind of unpredictable. Some years you can kind of predict what your team's going to do. I'm not, I mean, I guess we could kind of predict it, but I don't know. I, I, I would probably set the Cubs over under at 80. Am I being generous? Am I not giving them enough credit? I'd probably set it at 80. I mean, they won 74 last year. You can't confuse activity with accomplishment. They did a lot this offseason. Are they that much better? Are they 16 wins better? You're always trying to get to 90. 90 is the number MLB teams think of. If you're above 90, you're trying to figure out ways that you don't drop back down below 90. If you're below 90, you're trying to figure out ways to get there. And I'm not sure that they're ready to go from 74 to 90, although things are never linear. They can go backwards. They could they could go to 92. I don't, you know, who knows? But I'd probably set the Cubs over under at 80. I'm going to give the Sox the benefit of the doubt. I do like Pedro Grafal. They can't be any more injured than they have been, right? You can't run into any more bad luck than they have. And they have a new manager that seems to be on the ball here. I'm going to set the White Sox over under 84. 84 for the Sox. I, and, and this, off the top of my head, I wrote down over-unders. And I didn't really put a number to it before the show. I'm going to say 80 for the Cubs, 84 for the White Sox. Maybe maybe that's too close together. I don't know. 312-332-3776. In fact, if I'm disrespecting a team, I'm not sure which team I'm disrespecting. 312-332-3776, the number. Let's go to Dave in Aurora. You're on ESPN 1000. Dave, what's on your mind? Uh, impact of a brand you loss uh, from a teamwork standpoint. I mean, what I feel about like Ron looks like a third baseman. Uh, you want a big body at thir- at first base. He's undersized. And he's so talented, but I want to hear your thoughts on that. Look, there'll be an impact at the plate more than anything. Um, that's the thing. I, I don't know. The rest of it, uh, they had a weird sort of chemistry year, and Larissa was out to lunch, and it's not like a Bray you brought everybody – you know, raise the level of everyone. I think he's great. I think he leads by example, but I'm not sure they're going to miss him as much as people might think I, I, in the clubhouse. I think they're going to miss him at the plate, right? I mean, 300 hitters don't grow on trees either. So I think that, that I don't, defensively, I can live with Vaughn. I mean, he was a first baseman his whole life. I, I don't have a problem he with Vaughn like at that, first. Uh, dude that won the um, um, uh, best player on the uh, Toronto He's built like that. He's got that body frame. He looks like a third baseman to me. He doesn't look a prototypical first baseman to me. Uh, I'm worried a little bit about that, but smart player. Very smart player. You talking about Vaughn? Yeah, I'm talking about Vaughn. He'll be fine at first. Thanks for the call, Dave. He'll be fine at first. No doubt about it. 312-332-3776. I don't worry about Vaughn. They just had too many DH and first basemen on that team. Uh, maybe it was poorly constructed. It's too bad you had to let him walk for nothing. But, you know, he is getting up there in age. His best power years are behind him. I, I believe that. Um, but I, I don't, I, I'm, not, I'm not as heartbroken over the loss of Abreu as maybe other people are. Vaughn, look, everyone talks about Vaughn being a star. This is his chance, right? This is his chance. 312-332-3776. A couple of tweets here. At Jesse Rogers, ESPN. Does the, uh, Joe tweets, does the balance schedule hurt the Cubs this season? I'm going to say yes. 
the obvious thing would be less games against the Pirates and Reds is bad. Not that they won every game against the Pirates and Reds, but in general, less games against those teams is bad. But, of course, you do add some of the other bad teams. You get to play them. However, I think, and I've brought this up all offseason, I think we are in an era of super teams or 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 at least really, really good teams. And now with this schedule, you have to play all of them. You have to play all of them. You get three against Seattle. Okay, they're really good. The 12 playoff teams that made the postseason last year, they're really good teams. I know in the future, in some years, we're going to say the three wild cards is bad. There's there's an 80-win team in there that doesn't deserve it. It, it's, it didn't happen last year. I don't think it's going to happen in the near future. The Tampa Bay Rays were probably, in my opinion, the worst team to make the postseason. And they weren't all that bad. They just had no offense. So, yes, I'm going to say the fact that you play everyone does hurt the Cubs a little bit this year. I'm going to take a break, but I want to get your your take on my, just off the top of my head, over-unders. 80 for the Cubs, 84 for the White Sox. 312-332-3776 is the number. Give me your over-unders, and maybe maybe they match up with mine. Maybe yours are wildly different. Want to get your, your take? Half hour left in the show, and then it's Northwestern Basketball right here on ESPN 1000. You're listening to Black and Abdallah on ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. Follow the show on Twitter at Chris Black and at Adam A. Abdallah. Back on ESPN 1000, goes off to an early lead over the Clippers. And we were talking about Booch before uh, the game started already. Four for four from the field, three for three from beyond three point line, but beyond the three point line. Eleven points, four rebounds for Boots. They're halfway through the first quarter. Absolutely amazing run he's on. So consistent, so efficient. This is the Vooch you love to see. Unfortunately, it's for a team that just continues to tread water. Pulls up early on the Clippers. We'll see how this thing plays out because we know how unpredictable they are. Jesse Rogers sitting in for Black and Abdallah, about a half hour left in the show, and then we Send it out to Iowa City Northwestern and Iowa coming up right here on ESPN 1000. 312-332-3776. We've kind of morphed into some baseball conversation here. Would you agree with me that Dexter Fowler was the second most valuable position player on the 2016 Cubs behind Chris Bryant? Maybe that's not much of a hot take because, look, he was that good. 13 homers, 393 on base percentage. Um, uh, among his career high OPS, let me see, what was that? 840 OPS. Now, he had an 851 OPS the next season with St. Louis because he had 18 home runs. That, that, that helped that. But his best year of his career, in my mind, was 2016, and, and I think he was as valuable as anybody outside of KB. What's your over-under, Cubs and White Sox? What's your win total? I've got the Cubs at 80, the White Sox at 84. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. Let's go to Caleb in Aurora. You're on ESPN one thousand. Caleb, hey, how you doing, man? Good, man. Good, good. Um, so I know you're talking Cubs, White Sox. Great. I'm more so curious as to why we are allowing these NFL refs to make whatever kind of calls they want that are determining the outcomes of playoff games. Um, the Super Bowl is going to be the Philadelphia Eagles versus the NFL refs. And I'm not about it. 
love to hear your take on that. Thanks. Well, I, I did talk about that last hour that it, it, it it's gotten out of hand. And, and the more, the more sort of nuance you add to the rules, the more we're going to focus on the officials. There was a time when we all knew what hitting a guy out of bounds looked like. Now, not so sure. I defended Joseph Osai last hour. I'm on his side about this, meaning I'm not going to criticize a guy whose adrenaline is pumping for that little push that he made. Uh, so I think it's not just the individual officials. I mean, they're doing a tough job, a really tough job. But it's the nuance that's built into these rules now. Why do you think the broadcasts have gone to officials in the booth with these guys? It's because there's so much, so much nuance within the rules. And, and now you're, 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 the focus is, is more on the referees than they've ever been. Because we've had slow-mo replays forever, right? Yes, we have HD now. and Yes, they can slow it down. But we've had the same kind of thing in terms of fans being able to, to, to make the call from home for a long time. Yet the focus is even more because they have tried to make the game safer. And as I mentioned last hour, I get it with the head injuries. Those rules to protect head injuries, I get. And that also includes nailing a guy out of bounds. I get he can fall on his head out of, out of bounds. But that was not what Joseph Osai did. No way. No way. So I, I'm sort of with you, but I, I wouldn't look at the individual referees. I think they're doing the best they can. I think it's the nuance built into all these rules, which, again, are to protect players. I get it. But sometimes you go too far with these things, right? I, I think we can all agree with that. 312-332-3776. Give me a call right here on ESPN 1000. It's Pete in St. Charles. You're next up on ESPN. What's happening, Pete? Hey, Jesse. How you doing? Good. Hey, uh, I've got the White Sox at 78, and the reason being is they lost Abreu, they lost Hendricks, they lost Cueto. And I don't see their defense getting any better. Second base is still a joke. Right field's a joke. What's your thoughts? Yeah, you know, Pete, I, as I said, 84, I was trying to give them the benefit of the doubt in my head. They can't be – my head was they can't be worse moving Larusa out and, and getting at least a little bit healthier. It's not the Abreu thing. It's the Clevenger slash Liam Hendricks thing that, that would that, – that I think you're right on. Like, you didn't even mention Clevenger. We don't know what's going on with him. Yeah, Where's right. his head's going to be? And even if his head if – he, if he's, you know – if his head could be in the right place, but he could be suspended. So that's all out there. Liam Hendricks, you're right. Who's going to close now? The depth on your bullpen has been eaten up. I, I think 78 feels low, but Minnesota is as good as ever. And we know uh, Cleveland was the youngest team in the league. So maybe 84 is too high. Uh, Pete, you bring up some good points. Well, why, why did Han not make any any substantial moves? I mean, he didn't make one good trade. Yeah, I mean, here's the bottom line. They don't have a farm system to trade from. They really don't. Mm. And, and they're not going to take on some $30 million a year, $200 million contract. They're one of the few teams that has never given out a $100 million contract. They don't give out opt-outs. There's all these caveats to signing or trading you know, a player for the White Sox. Um, so I think part of it is his hands are tied, and he hasn't developed a good farm system. Okay. All right, Jeff. Thanks, Pete. Appreciate okay. it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, he, he it did take long to talk me out of '84. I'm just I'm trying. I mean, I love Eloy when he's healthy. I love Luis when he's healthy. I like Pedro Grafal. Like this, this is like the, the odd year. Mancada should bounce back, right? Tim Anderson 
it has to have a healthy year. It's his free agent year. It's like I'm trying to find a best case scenario, but maybe twenty, maybe eighty four is too high. Maybe I'm, 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 but look, they had eighty one in one of the worst possible situations you could think of. So I'm thinking they gotta be a, a few wins better. But pitching is the most important part of the game, and you have a starter that you're not sure of, and and you've lost your closer, unfortunately. So, you know, Pete brings up some good points there. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. What about you, Cub fans? What, what what's your take on this? Um, it, it, where does is eighty a good number for you? In terms of the over under, look, I I think the offense is going to sort of the success of the offense is going to revolve around the newcomers whether that be Mancini from the right side at first or Hosmer from the left side at first or one of them DHing, and certainly what Bellinger does in center. They need power. Mancini at his best brings it. Bellinger at his best brings it. Hosmer brings a little bit. But none of those guys have been at their best lately. I mean, Mancini ended the season terribly and had a little bit of a power outage last year, but that that's also because the Orioles moved their fences back. So... I, I, do you agree with me? I think the offense really does run through those guys, those newcomers. I mean, I love Nico Horner. I think Suzuki's going to be better. I think Hap can be as good. I'm not sure he can be better than he was. He was an all-star. Um, but if all those guys just play to their performance, then it's still an okay offense. Even with Swanson, you need those veterans that have come in to find the fountain of youth, to reclaim their their mechanics, um, I think Mancini has the best chance of those three to do that. Some people might think it's Bellinger, but just from afar, I'm like, if the Dodgers couldn't fix Bellinger with all the systems they have in place, are we sure the Cubs can? But, of course, the change of scenery thing might might work. But I think Mancini was a product of that ballpark last year and then really not getting much playing time in Houston. So I think he can return to some form. I. I who knows about Hosmer at this point, right? He's making a lot of money from someone else, somewhere else, but he probably has a chip on his shoulder. And, and, and certainly you think Bellinger would as well, making a, a good buck also. 312-332-3776. Any thoughts on Dexter Fowler as he officially re- announces re- his retirement? I think he was the second most valuable Cub position player-wise after Chris Bryant back in 2016. What's your over-under for the White Sox and Cubs? Got about 15 minutes left, and then we'll hand it off to Northwestern Basketball right here on ESPN 1000. You're listening to Black and Abdallah on ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. Listen to the show in HD at 100.3 HD2 FM. That's in the air to center. Back at the wall. Dexter Fowler couldn't have drawn it up any better. 
It's the first ever leadoff home run in a game seven, and it belongs to Dexter Fowler. Your time and take the shot down. Here's Mahomes rolling out on third and four. He's going to go for the, yes, he's got the marker. He's got the out of bounds to stop it. And Osai was hurt as he hit the bench. And a flag's coming in to put him 15 yards closer. Love the first highlight. That second highlight's a joke. Flag coming in. KC Chiefs win the game because a guy touched the quarterback in the biggest moment of the season and it goes flying because those sidelines are crazy, slippery, and there's people everywhere, camera people. Let's not let's not fix the sideline. Let's 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 change the course of the game because because they're all running out of bounds at a guy with pads and everything else on and a helmet and throw a flag. So if you couldn't tell, been talking about that that hit by Joseph Osai, and I, I, I come down on his side. I don't, I, I, don't, I don't blame him. I don't blame him. I'm sure a lot of fans do. I don't. But more importantly, that Dexter Fowler, Game 7, leadoff home run. We're talking about Fowler a little bit as he officially announces retirement. Um, I think we, we can go down memory lane as the, the, the further we get away from 2016 and these guys start to hang it up, right? Um, you know, Zobrist, and, you know, there's been other guys. Uh, that that have that have hung it up, and there's still a lot playing st- uh, in the, around the league. But but today, officially, even though he didn't play in the big leagues last year, Dexter Fowler announces his retirement, and we're thinking about him on this cold, cold last day of January. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. We're also thinking about the Cubs and Sox over under as the offseason kind of comes to a, clo- a close here as February hits. There might be a couple more moves left in them, but essentially, we we know what these rosters are going to look like. I like my man Joe tweets me, I have the Cubs at 85 wins if the offense and defense is there. Well, thanks, Joe. I mean, if the offense and defense is there, why not have them at 100 wins? But um, it, the defense will be there. The defense will be there. The question is, will the offense be there? Um, I'm not so sure. I kind of go back and forth on that. Let's go to Jim in Lake Geneva. You're on ESPN 1000. Jim, what's on your mind? Jesse, how's it going? Good, pal. Thanks for calling in. What's what's happening? Hey, so I wanted to talk to you about the Cubs starting pitching, but before you go, I agree with you that the nuance of football and the rules make it a so hard for someone who doesn't follow football to understand. Uh, but also, this leaves so much room for any team to find ammo for why their team lost and blame it on the yeah. officials. And I just I was really appreciative of that. Anyway, um, you know, you talked about the Cubs losing power. And I'm sure one of the reasons you feel that way is because of Wilson Contreras, right? Sure. Yeah. You've, you've, yeah. you've taken a, a, a position that doesn't always have power at it, and you've eliminated that part of his game. And what have you replaced him with? Tucker Barnhart and Jan Gomes. Yeah. So that actually is offensively a subtraction, right? Yeah. But defensively, yeah. it's an addition. And I saw some statistics comparing – the ERA of starting pitchers on the Cubs, and I wish I had it pulled up on me. You got to forgive me; I don't have it. But it's significantly lower when uh, Jan Gomes is catching over Wilson Contreras. And then I started thinking in my head, right? Like even if he reduces their ERA by a quarter of a run, right? It's not that much. It's not that crazy. If you extrapolate that over 160 games, though, that's 40, the equivalent of 40 RBI. And I think about that, and I think about, like, the upside of a Wisniewski or the promise of steel 
or even like can Stroman come back a little healthier and you add Tyone there and then you add the defense, their offense, there's still a lot of question marks there, but I'm just really excited about that pitching. And I'm curious, like, what are your thoughts on Steele and Wisniewski making a big jump? What do you, what do you look at? What do you see from them? I like Steele. I, I mean, I, I think he's proven that he can be an everyday pitch, every, you know, five-day pitcher, um, without a doubt. Um, I think Wesneski is good depth, but I'm not, I'm not sure what his upside is. But I think Steele has proven to be a rotation guy. I, I think he, he's a solid three or four right now, and, and maybe he can be better. I don't want to limit a guy. But let me go back to what you said because, um, you know, the, it's an interesting point, what you say about catching and defense. And I just wonder if it's too black and white when we talk about, oh, when this guy catches, their ERA is is lower, and when Wilson catches, it's higher. Because when Wilson's catching, and I know he didn't always catch five days a week, but when you are the everyday catcher, maybe maybe it does take away from your defensive game, especially when you're a good offensive catcher. Like, the, 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 the great ones that can do both every day, how many are there out there? So I guess what I'm saying is when Jan Gomes is playing once or twice a week and no one's expecting him to hit, he can really focus in on the game plan and his pitcher and communicating. Maybe I'm wrong about this. Maybe if a baseball guy was on the line, they'd say you're crazy. But I just think it's too easy to say, oh, Wilson's the ERA was higher with Wilson. While he's doing all these other things, middle of the order bat, throwing runners out, okay, if you had the perfect catcher, they'd be in the Hall of Fame. Like, okay, maybe that was his weakness because his mind is everywhere. Where Jan Gomes has one job to get the best out of that pitcher. Wilson Contreras had more than one job every day. Jesse, are, am I still on? Yeah. Okay, so I totally agree with you. I think Wilson Contreras and his defensive woes are a little maybe sometimes exaggerated. And it disappoints me that the Cubs didn't find the value in him that I was hoping they would. Right? But I just have you, – you made a lot of good points there, and I just have two questions to kind of respond to it. Number one, my question would be, is anybody going to be expecting Jan Gomes to hit this year, or is it kind of like, hey, we're bringing you and Barnhart in. We want you to have better bats, but at the end of the day, we want you to lower the ERA down, right? And even then, like, I, it's not a, a minor margin that there was a significant uh, ERA gap, right? Mm-hmm. So even if you're right, like, Let's say Gomes and Barnhart play more, and because they're doing more, it drops a little bit. We were talking about an average ERA drop over one for everybody except for Stroman. Uh, he was the only one that had a lower ERA with Wilson. But I guess what I'm saying is, even if you took that number and divided it by five, it's still significant. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. And, that, and, that, and it'll be great if they have a low ERA. Um, but 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 I look. Last year, I was shocked that Wilson Contreras didn't get traded because there were about five contending teams that if you added up the, their, their, the batting average of their catchers, I think I, I might weigh more than them, than that, than that number. I mean, these, these, some of these teams have 180 catchers, and, and get ready for that potentially happening this year. So, yeah, you're going to love that lower ERA potentially. You're also going to hate the fact that these guys can't hit agree with that too either Jesse and again you make a great point the only thing I would say back to that right is one of those teams was the Houston Astros correct yeah yeah and they Dusty Baker and their owner basically said we understand why you want to trade for Wilson we think we can find more value 
in the pieces we give up for him, and we can win with our catcher, and they did. They did because that was a special team. I mean, the bottom line is True. they were going to win with Wilson or without Wilson because they were that good. So um, I got to run, uh, Jim, because we got to wrap up. But, yeah, you bring up some hey, good I points. I appreciate it. And, look, I'm inter- interested to see how that all plays out. I mean, <laughs> I still think that, and I said this at the time, if Wilson Contreras had, you know, under the radar sign with the Marlins and we never heard from him again, then then the Cubs would you might you might might be onto something that they saw some warts that that we didn't see. But the St. Louis Cardinals, if you hate them, you at least have to respect them. That organization opened up the vault for them and are handing the keys to the pitching staff from Yachty to him. So they actually believe in him in terms of all those things that you're talking about more than the Cubs did. And 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 they and granted with the Cubs he'd have to be a leader and I'm not sure they believed in that part of his game where St. Louis he doesn't have to actually be a leader he can just catch and hit but it will be very interesting to see him in the division over the next five years especially next year I don't do a lot on giving out prop bets and stuff but I take the over on all of Wilson Contreras' hitting props when he faces the Cubs this year that's all I can tell you this guy plays on his chip, uh, plays with a chip on his shoulder without a reason. Just think what he's going to do when he faces the Cubs this year after they said goodbye to him. And speaking of goodbye, that's going to do it for me. I want to thank Charlie uh, Bevins and Kendra Smith for producing. Thank you for listening. Thank you for calling. Really appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed the quick hour and 45. And I hope I didn't scare away the avid Black and Abdallah listeners. I'm sure I did. But they'll be back very soon so um, you can tune back in in any case i will talk to you down the road thanks for listening folks stay tuned for northwestern basketball as they take on the iowa hawkeyes right here on espn 1000 so long